Welcome back to Hug Your People. This is Kevin. Today, we're talking about hurricane preparation, what it means to have a kid with cancer and have to go through natural disasters and occurrences. We're also going to talk about gratitude, setting boundaries, and what givebacks mean. Welcome back to Hug Your People. Welcome back, everyone. Let's get the business out of the way first, because a lot of people are asking and uh, and concerned with the Hurricane Dorian blowing off the coast, uh, Category 5 hurricane right now over the Bahamas. Um, they're projecting it to skate up the East Coast. My family lives in on the northern coast of South Carolina, so about an hour south of the North Carolina border, um, and probably three miles from the ocean. We're historically not in a flood zone, and what you re- and I've been coming here since the 70s, since you know pretty much all my life. So I remember most of the major hurricanes, and what you have to remember with hurricanes is most of the time the wind and the rain are, are not the big um, threats. It's the uh, days after the hurricane with the flooding and the power outages. Where we live, the inland rivers swell, and it takes uh, take it can take a week for them to crest. And we've seen that in hurricanes in recent years where the hurricane blew through and it wasn't that bad. And then a week later, we're having massive flooding where uh, homes and neighborhoods have four feet of water in the house. So really, that is the challenge being ahead of understanding that, you know, the, the storm blows in and leaves, but then it leaves um, a lot to deal with. And we are uh, in a rural area, so the roads close pretty quickly and that makes travel in and out um, very tough. So. Um, with Hurricane Dorian, we see what, what it's doing, and obviously Baxley having cancer. He's actually coming out of a, um, a cycle of chemotherapy that leaves his immune system um, pretty much um, non-existent, which is, is a challenge. So the, the protocol for, for Baxley is um, when he gets a fever of 100.4, uh, which is considered by most you know, normal standards as a low-grade fever. When he gets a fever of 100.4, we have to go to the ER and we have an hour to get antibiotics. So it's not, it's just not a normal, okay, let's see how it goes, let's let's monitor it. It's a, you know, normally when we get to 100, we start packing bags and, and we start moving that way. And when you get to the ER, you can't wait in the waiting room uh, you have to have on, the oncologist in South in Charleston call the ER you're going to make arrangements um, so that they have a room ready for you. They have to access the port. A lot of uh, emergency rooms aren't as um, they just don't access ports as often as oncology does or pedi- or kid, children's hospitals. So that can be a challenge. And um, and then making sure that the that the treatment is going and this is really falls on the parents uh, shoulders to make sure that the treatment is going what we've been instructed to do is when we get to the er um, if the access of the port is not which gives us access to his blood if the access of the port is unsuccessful the first time give them one more chance and then um, go to a different hospital or or make the trip to charleston obviously charleston is two hours away so we would have to choose something closer to make sure that we got antibiotics so I tell you all that because that was a huge factor in deciding what we were going to do with this hurricane. We could very easily stay here, and I feel confident that we could stay here, and the house would be fine, and we would be fine, and um, there would be no danger. Uh, We live in a new neighborhood, uh, new being in the last three or four years it's been developed. Um, So there, there aren't very many mature trees yet, and 
so we, we feel confident in that. What we have to really stay ahead of is the worst case scenario. And Baxley coming into a period of low blood counts, what if Baxley gets a fever and the roads are closed and there's flooding and there's no power? Um, we have to run that scenario. We can't not run that scenario because that's a very real possibility. And because of the fact that we're under a time crunch to get antibiotics and we're um, dealing with something that's not, um, it, it's, it could be life or death. Um, we have to really err on the side of safety. So what we were doing as we were deciding is looking at, okay, let's give ourselves options. Let's, let's allow options because of this storm. They don't really know what's going to happen with it, and most hurricanes, that's the case. Uh, it's normally an 11th hour decision of do we stay or do we go. They did issue mandatory evacuations. Anyone who lives in coastal regions know that that's not necessarily, um, doesn't mean you're going to leave. And, and so what we did is we booked a hotel room two hours inland out of the cone uh, or the path of the hurricane in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I've got a, an old friend who's a doctor in Columbia, so I reached out to him, was asking him about the children's hospital there. He gave us great confidence that whatever we needed, they would be able to facilitate. Um, he's there, of course. I trust him uh, with, with my son. I trust him with his opinion immensely. I've known his family uh, my entire life, pretty much, and um, and so he was a really great resource and kind enough to shed some light on the on the issue that really helped us make decision. Another factor of decision was when you're dealing with oncology and cancer, you know things aren't cheap, <laughs> and <laughs> which brings the insurance company into play. You know, and, and the example is you know this last round of chemo, we have to give my son a shot after this last round of chemo, which we get every six or seven weeks. And the shot cost $10,000. <laughs> now, insurance covers that, but when you start dealing with things with insurance and cancer and treatment, you have to consider what is the path of least resistance. If we go out of state, it makes it more difficult for us to get insurance to cover treatment. It's, it doesn't make it more difficult. It's just it's a longer process. For instance, when we went to Florida for Proton, it took us about 12 weeks to get our insurance company to say that they would cover that. And that was a, a hefty um, bill, so we understand why. You know, the most treatments, seven weeks of proton, most of that runs close to seven figures, um, so close to a million dollars. So our to get our insurance to cover that was, um, was a process that our doctors and our uh, social workers and, um, and us, that we all had to go through it, and we, we did it, and so it's no problem. But in this case, we're in an emergency situation. What we don't want to do is evacuate somewhere and then have to run, jump through more hoops when there's a better option. So that's why we chose Columbia. We'll be, uh, we've got the hotel reserved from Wednesday to Sunday um, if we need it. And we'll make the decision probably tomorrow after a call with our uh, home hospital where they're making emergency plans for the patients that are there. It may be that they bring us down there and ride the storm out in that hospital just so that we have treatment. It may be that we pack up and go to Columbia. If the storm is going to come anywhere close to us, we will pack up and go to Columbia, drive the two hours, um, have our doctor call the Columbia hospital, let them know we're in town. Um, and so they'll be expecting us. Uh, we'll have my, um, the O'Malley's, my, my good friend Patrick O'Malley and his family are there. And we'll be staying at a, at a suite where we can uh, we have a kitchen and so we can cook and we can really be self-sufficient so that Baxley doesn't have to go out with no immune system and he can kind of stay there and of course we'll go in pre um, pre-arrival and sanitize and do all that stuff so 
that is our plan of action. And, and you think like planning for a hurricane is um, stressful without a kid with cancer. It is, uh, there's a lot more gravity on it. There's a lot more on it when you have a child with cancer and you're planning for these things because you can't just go anywhere and you can't just run from it. You have to be so early that you get a hotel room or that you find a place to stay and that, that you can do what's right based on the worst case scenario. And that I've talked about it before, you know, the challenge is you don't want to live your life thinking about the worst thing that's going to happen. At the same time, if you don't consider it, you might get yourself in a tough spot. And if my family is in a tough spot, um, it just, it me it could be very, very serious. So we're not going to be in that spot. We're going to stay ahead of it. So that's what we're doing for the hurricane. If you are in the path of the hurricane, please take it seriously. Um, you know, don't, don't feel the need to, to hang out with your stuff. Stuff can be replaced and make sure that you're keeping you and your people, the people you love and the people you care about out of harm's way. And, um, cause we need you, we need you out here helping us. So that's, that's the hurricane. Gratitude and boundaries. I never thought those two things would go together, but um, they do. And really, the more the more I talk about this, and I, I want you to understand something that I post a lot on social media and share our story. Uh, my wife has started doing some of that as well. She gets more involved, um, and, and she's on her own uh, path of doing it. And and so am I. And we we don't operate just alike on a lot of things, but our intentions are the same, and we're we're very much a united front on the same team. So. Um, it, it's nice to see her perspective and have you guys be able to check, uh, check the mom's point of view out um, as she posts. I'm still optimistic that one day she'll be on the Hug Your People podcast, but uh, as of now, it's just not her thing. And so she's going um, to kind of keep, keep to the family. Um, but gratitude, we are, you know, we, we've just reached a new level of being grateful. And we never really considered how many people care about us. Um, until Baxley got cancer. And I, just, I don't think you should. I don't, I don't think that's how you know we should go through the world, wondering about how many people um, would be there if something bad happens. But I think it also comes down to how you show up. And in the last few years, you know, we've been, uh, or at least I have, I've been really intentional about doing better and, and showing up better and making myself better. And that whole, it started around 2012, um, 2013, sometime around there, where um, my wife and I had gotten married, and we were talking about a family, and we were looking at what's best, and making decisions that were not just for me, that were for um, our family to, to thrive. And so, um, when you when you consider those actions that lead up to this point, I, I have no doubt that it's it's in some way I showed up for other people in some form or fashion that I wasn't fully intentional, I wasn't fully aware of. And when we needed help, uh, people really came through. And for that, we are eternally grateful. And it, it still gets us emotional when we think about how many family members, friends, perfect strangers have helped keep this family afloat, helped keep uh, kept us going. You know, people I haven't talked to in decades uh, have reached out and um, and offered anything they could do to help. And and that really that was fuel for the fire to go out and help other families. And that was really fuel for the fire to say, well, how can, how can we use this to bring awareness to pediatric cancer and especially rhabdomyosarcoma 
And not only that, not only the, the kids that have, the, have cancer, but the families that are fighting it with them and what that does to a family, you know, and when the mom and dad both have to quit work because their child needs treatment, what does that do? How does that impact a family? And we've been really blessed with uh, people like Suzanne Evans and Melanie Orr. I love them and their family. Uh, Adrian's their son. Um, and they are just, they're remarkable. Their company, Driven Inc., out of uh, Chapel Hill, Carborough area, North Carolina. Um, their whole team has just been um, just really remarkable. And when you think about how Suzanne and Melanie came into our life, it was, uh, it, it was through a job. You know, I met them while I was working. And, um, and they just show up in a big way for people that, that care about the world. And their, their heart is, is just so pure. So we're, we're very grateful um, for those relationships and for, for people that have just, and I think Suzanne and Melanie, you know, they both, when this first happened, I, I went to one of their events and I was coaching um, at one of their events. And um, I think Suzanne, I don't remember exactly because it was very emotional, but um, Suzanne's words to me were, we got you, we got you. <clears throat> And <clears throat> there's nothing that I can say that will convey how grateful I am for, for, for her and for Melanie and for their team. And so, and then you look at how many people have shown up across the board, you know, just showing up at the hospital. You know, I think the, the, first, uh, the first couple people to come visit were, were my friend Chad and Rich, and I've known them most of my life. And they dropped everything immediately and drove down. I've talked about that before. And you know, um, just to get that hug in the waiting room, you know, that's, that's the gratitude. It's just people just show up and, and they, they, I can't list everybody that means something to me that's shown up because we, this would be a two day long podcast, but, um, just know that we, we are grateful for that and that we, we, we see gratitude on a different level now and we see it on a genuine level. And it's almost like someone put x-ray goggles on us because, you know, in my business, you know, coaching entrepreneurs and, and guiding entrepreneurs and raising their business level and um, teaching them how to brand and, and message their company and things like that, you know, I could do it before, but now I really have x-ray vision when it comes to gratitude and I can see someone who's faking gratitude pretty quickly. And the reason I can is because I feel it on a deeper level than most people do. Um, and I don't, I didn't ask for that, and trust me, I'd trade it back if I could. Um, but I just I see it because I feel gratitude on a deep level. So anytime I'm on social media or I'm out in business world or I'm at events or I'm networking, I can spot a fake gratitude, <laughs> a false gratitude pretty quickly. <clears throat> and that's, um, that's become a sort of a secret superpower uh, for me because it allows me to save time and it also allows me to coach on a deeper level and to show up on a deeper level. But... Um, I think the next part is going to be hard for me to talk about. Um, it's not all that pleasant. It hasn't shown up very much, but it's, I think the reason it's going to be hard for me to talk about is because it is secretly how I used to show up. And I don't know when this stops, but it did. Um, it wasn't recently. It stopped a while back, but you know, when you talk about gratitude and you talk about giving and, and helping people and things like that, there are some people in the world who give because they want acknowledgement. 
And there's some people who see that the, you know, the attention my family has gotten by sharing our story, um, they want to capitalize on that in some way, either to feed their ego or to feed their pocketbook. And this hasn't come up very, very often, but I, I have noticed that some people give with the anticipation or expectation that there will be a shout out on Facebook or there'll be some kind of letter or, or something um, that comes their way because of their contribution. And, um, and, and that's a tough thing. It, it really is. And, and I don't, it, it, it hasn't happened very often, but it's happened to where I notice it more. And as I notice false gratitude, I also notice the people who are showing up um, with the expectation of a return on their give back. And it just feels, for lack of a better word, icky. It just feels icky. Um, so we have to create boundaries with our, our process, you know, and our, our sort of our, our boundaries are, um, if people want to give, we're grateful. We are very, very grateful. If they want to give because they expect acknowledgement, it really depends on the day for us because we don't have the bandwidth to acknowledge everyone on a deep level. Um, even though we get it and we sit and we say, oh, this is awesome. And that may be the end of it because we might then go into uh, a fever where we have to go to the ER or we might have to then talk to a doctor about the possible uh, implications of surgery than what it might do to our son's bladder or his reproductive um, health. Or, um, you know, so, so you have to understand that our day-to-day, -day, we're not sitting around deciding on a very often, you know, we're not talking about just what we're having for dinner. You know, we're talking about decisions that impact my son's life for the rest of his life. And so it's very easy to get sidetracked. So we've had to create boundaries and the, the boundaries and standards around um, what we receive is one, we're very grateful. And two, we hope that uh, you're doing it because you genuinely want to help and you don't need anything in return. Um, now for me, Normally when something shows up in my life, it's because I'm showing up like that in someone else's life. And that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. But I can think of a few times in my life where I have given and been like, wow, you know, thank you would have been nice. And that was incredibly wrong. Looking back, I'm like, God, I'm glad I changed that because I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that person that gives because you want something back. And that wasn't every time. I just, I have a few times that I'm thinking about that really um, it embarrasses me a little bit but it also makes me operate now on a deeper level where I can relate to those I can relate to the people so I don't fault them but I also know that I'm not going to contribute to to that and so that's that's kind of the the boundaries that we've set up um, around our, our gratitude and around the gives and stuff like that and I think the other boundary is you know for Everything we receive, we try to then siphon something through to help someone else. You know, and we've done it through Baxley's Wagons, and we've done it through the Million Mile with Alex's Lemonade Stand, and we've done it through the hats, and uh, we have been able to positively impact some families just by passing our gratitude forward. And so there are a lot of people out there who see that as our way of thanking them, and that's exactly what we intended. Uh, and then I'm sure there's, there's a few people out there who, who wish they would get more credit for what they've done. And trust me, they deserve credit. They do. 
it's just we don't have it in us all the time to, to thank everybody um, or to shout out to everybody, you know, and that's, I think that's the hard part, you know, it's kind of like having a wedding and there's a million people there and how do you sit down and write a million thank you notes, you know, it's, it's overwhelming, it, it just, it can be really this, this point of, well, I'm never going to be able to do that, so let's not do anything. So what we've done is we've decided to use social media, this podcast, the wagons, the hats, um, the million mile. We've decided to use all of that as our way of publicly saying, you know, even though we may not tap you on the shoulder specifically, we're still going to express our gratitude on a bigger scale. And, and I think that's really, when you look at the world and the way the world works, I think there's a ton of give and business, there's a ton of give with the expectation of recognition, you know, and there's a ton of sponsorship to things that should be um, just just done without the sign hanging on the door or without the logo on the brochure. You know, I think there's just a lot of, of ways that we can help. You know, when you talk about um, the way that big companies give, you know, I get it. I'm a business guy. I coach business, so I get it. But... It's really tough to sit around and watch the funding of pediatric cancer suffer and companies put on multi-seven-figure events for their sales team, right? And I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen. I'm just saying both can happen. You know, when you look at the underfunding of pediatric cancer research and you look at the underfunding of, uh, of science and you look at, you know, my son is, we're basing his protocol, his treatment protocol off of research that's 50 years old because there's no funding we're just starting to get some funding to maybe come up with hey maybe what we're doing is not the best way based on what we know now you know and when you look at that how much money does it take to change that protocol or to update that protocol or to even explore maybe a different option for that protocol it takes a lot sure but when you look at all the big companies in the world and all the things they're doing and, you know, people are buying islands and people are, and so there, there is money out there that could go to this and could go to other causes and other, other things. I think the challenge that we get into is um, we get into sort of this corporate mentality of does that match our brand? Does our give match our brand? Does it, it, what is the potential return? Who's going to be in the room? And I think that's where the challenge lies is that we have to change the mentality and the mindset around the give back. And, and what is it? What is the give back? And who do we, um, who do we give back to? You know, and probably one of the best examples that I'm close to um, as far as give back goes is a company called Sock Problems. My, my good friend Ryan Berman started it. And Sock Problems, they, um, they use socks that are designed towards specific causes to give back to support those causes. Um, and they've created an, a level of transparency that I, th I think last time I checked, they were operating at an 85% plus transparency uh, on the give backs. And so you have companies like that who are public about who they're giving back to and it's across the board, multiple charities and multiple organizations. And then they're very transparent as far as their reporting of the give back. Um, and so that is really, um, and they've, they've identified their givebacks based on who uses the money the best. Alex's Lemonade Stand is one of the organizations they support. And, of course, you know, me and my wife support, support them with the Million Mile. 
And so it really, those kind of organizations really become the model for how it should be done, in my opinion, how you can balance your brand and your profits and your, uh, your business with your, your give backs. And, you know, the expectation, I believe, for, for Ryan and Sock Problems is to have a lot of people wear their socks and to help a lot of people. And they know if they do that, then they're probably going to be a successful company. And I see a lot of companies out there who will give so that they get the hype and they will give so that they get the, the recognition to uh, make people think that they care about something. And maybe they do, and that's fine. And I think we've all been there. You know, you wear the T-shirt, you wear the, the armband, you wear the, um, the hat, you wear the, you know, you, you, you look at things, even, even this podcast, you know, you look at Hug Your People and people wear the Hug Your People hat. And I hope it reminds them, uh, by the hashtag Backsfight, I hope it reminds them that everyone has a different typical day. And everyone has a different, um, different set of criteria that they wake up to and that they can, um, and things they can facilitate in their day. And I hope that's the reminder. Then I hope it reminds them that time is precious and they need to hug their kids more and hug their spouse more, hug their partner more. You know, tell people you love them when you do, you know, and um, funny story, you know, I was, I was telling a good friend of mine the other day, I said, I've said I love you to more men in the last four months than I ever have in my life. And I was like, and it's a shame that this is what it took for me to tell the men that I love that I love them, you know, and, um, but I don't hesitate now. And that's, um, that's something that I'm grateful that I'm able to do, that I have the, the strength to do. And you know, uh, and also I noticed men showing up in my life, you know, other dads and friends and people that I've known for years. And, and we're, ju we're just now voicing it. You know, that's all we're doing is now we're voicing it. It's always there. Uh, and so I think, you know, when you look at what I hope that hat reminds people to do, I hope that's what it reminds people to do. And I think that's all we can ask. So as we talk about, as you think about, as you move forward in your life, um, gratitude and, you know, feeling gratitude and acknowledging gratitude, but also setting boundaries around, um, around what you expect, you know, and if you give to somebody, truly give, you know, and, and I know that this has changed me and this is why um, the wagons are, the, are what they are, you know, and my wife and I had this conversation early on. We said, you know, we decided that once we give a wagon and we give it to a family, um, it's no longer ours. It's theirs to do with as they choose. And once we give a gift um, or, or money or um, anything, you know, once we give, we let go and we have no expectation and there's no uh, monitoring, there's no policing, there's, no, and there's none of that. It's up to the individual to then do with it as they see fit and as they have the bandwidth to do. And some people say thank you and some people don't. And it doesn't matter to us because we're giving it regardless. <laughs> and I'm really proud that that's where we got. I'm really proud that that's where we are in our mindset and our, our thought process today with our gives. It, you know, I wasn't always like that. I can't speak for my wife, but I wasn't always like that. You know, I very much came up in business in the corporate world where it was always like, how does this look? Does this, does this align with us? Does this drive people to us? Will it make us look more attractive in the public eye? And God, that's just, that's just not how you think when you talk about helping people. So, um, so we're, we're very, very, uh, we're very grateful that you're in our life. We're very grateful for the people in our life. We're very grateful 
for the people that have helped us immensely that we will never in a million years be able to repay. Um, and most people, we won't even be able to say thank you um, face to face, personally. You know, but we do feel a lot of gratitude for that. And we've also set up a lot of boundaries so that we can protect ourselves from people who just want a little attention. And, um, and I think by recognizing that, it has changed the way that my, my business operates. It's changed the way that I operate. And it's made things like the wagons take a deeper meaning and take a meaning that you can't buy or create. There you have it, episode 22 of Hug Your People. Let's talk a little business. Alex's Lemonade Stand Million Mile started yesterday, started September 1st. We are now, as far as the money we've raised, we're in eighth place out of over 1,300 teams that are raising money. Uh, that's remarkable. So thank you if you've donated. Thank you if you've uh, started moving your body. Thank you if you've supported us. We are eighth place. Our goal is to be in the top three, not to make it a competition, but it kind of is because we know that if we compete, we'll raise more money um, for pediatric cancer research. So um, just remarkable. We've also been in the top 15 for miles logged on our first day, and that's, uh, that's phenomenal too. So Alex's Lemonade Stand Million Mile going through the end of September. Uh, if you want to join our team, donate or pledge per mile, you can go to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation and search for Bax Fight Team and make your donation and your uh, pledge or join our team and, and run, walk, or bike to move some miles for the kids uh, fighting cancer and the research. Uh, the hats are, we're almost sold out of hats. This is amazing. We're giving all the profits and, and all the proceeds from those hats to um, Mayo Clinic and Dr. Gargallo and research for rhabdomyosarcoma. sarcoma. And I've got a very special announcement coming soon as far as t-shirts go, because a lot of you have been asking, you've said, hey, I'm not a hat person. Uh, I'd like to support Hug Your People, but uh, when are the t-shirts coming? Well, we've got Native Sons here in Myrtle Beach. We will be doing a limited run of t-shirts and uh, hats that you can order. I'll probably have that up mid-month, um, and it'll run for a couple weeks or maybe six weeks to get your, your t-shirt. So we're excited about that. And profits and proceeds from that will go back to the same foundation. So it's, that's really great. Um, thank you. Thank you. I can't say it enough. Just thank you for allowing me this platform to sort through things. This is, again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is more for me than it is you. But maybe you get a little insight. Maybe you get a piece of knowledge that, uh, or perspective that you didn't have before. And maybe it helps you or someone you love. Maybe it helps uh, you with your kids. Maybe um, it helps you understand that um, when someone's going through something pretty heavy and they don't show up the way they normally do, you understand why a little bit. So I want to thank you just for allowing this. I don't know how long this is going to go on. I don't know how um, much of this I'll feel like doing long term. I know that right now it's, it's an immense help for me. Uh, it's, it's just been, been so good to hear your voices on the other end of this and the encouragement and um, it's just been remarkable. So thank you for allowing me to be here. I want you to take a minute when you finish listening to this and just take a minute, um, breathe out, breathe out and think of everything in your life and realize that you have so much to be grateful for, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter where you are. You have so much to be grateful for. 
and reminding yourself of that often will create a better life for yourself. It'll create a better life for your kids. It'll create a better life for your family. It'll allow you to be a better friend. Allowing yourself to acknowledge all the things you're grateful for will just put you in that perspective. So take a minute when you finish listening to this and just breathe for a minute. Focus your thoughts on all the gratitude you should be displaying in your life. And don't focus on the things you don't have. Focus on everything that you do have. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hug your people.